Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Mr. Hallam, you've been accused of reviewing films without a podcast. This is a very grave charge, son. Do you understand how unethical it is to review movies without a podcast? Yes, sir, I am. And are you aware that reviewing movies without a proper podcast can run the risk of putting you and the listeners in danger? Is an app a podcast, sir? If you are reviewing movies and people are listening, downloadable platform is relevant. Sir, will you define reviewing for me? Yes, reviewing would be defined as, as writing a critical appraisal of a book, a movie, a play, for some type of publication, to survey or evaluate. Have you been reviewing movies, Mr. Hallam? Well, sir, I, I watch several movies and discuss them with many people. They can take my input as they wish. I just offer whatever help I can. Mr. Hallam, have you or have you not been reviewing movies with listeners? without a podcast. Everyone who downloads my reviews are listeners, yes. But every person who listens to my reviews is also a podcaster. I'm sorry. Every person who listens to my reviews is in some need of intellectual or emotional feels. They're listeners. But every person is also in charge of sharing those reviews with someone else, whether it's liking a tweet, sharing the post, or even the simple task of leaving a comment. That makes them podcasters. I use this term broadly, but is not a podcaster someone who helps someone else? When did the term podcaster get treated with such reverence as, Oh, right this way, Mr. Rogan, or hello, you lovely ladies, what a fabulous bench, or pardon me, Mr. Countdown TV and Movie Reviews, but your soundboard seems to have no end. At what point in history did a podcaster become more than a trusted and learned friend who visited and performed for the interested? Now you ask me if I've been reviewing movies. Well, if this means suggesting films for those in need, those in pain, caring for them, listening to them, providing a new episode to download for the long trek to work, if this is podcasting, if this is providing for my listeners, then I'm guilty as charged, sir. But did you ever consider the ramifications of your actions? What if one of your reviews was bad and insulted one of your listeners? What's wrong with a bad review, sir? What are we afraid of? Why can't we treat a bad review with a certain amount of humanity and dignity and decency and, God forbid, sometimes humor? If we're going to be afraid of anything, let's be afraid of the worst review of all, indifference. Now that I've sat through your workshops and I've listened to your podcasts on transference and professional distance, transference, those feels are inevitable, sir. Every movie has an impact on another. Why don't we want that in a podcaster and listener relationship? That's why I've listened to your podcast and I believe they are wrong. A podcaster's mission should not be just to give reviews, but also to improve the quality of feels. That's why you, you give a review, you win, you lose. You treat a listener, you're gonna win, I guarantee, no matter what the outcome. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Feels Podcast. 
We review a new movie for you every two weeks of a different genre. And I'm host Drew. And today we have joining me Donner Party of 50. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Doctor in Training Nathan. Uh, this is Dr. Bojack, Dean of the Salt Department. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and folks, if you ha- are joining us today, we are doing our medical genre, my pick, where I took a movie that I rather enjoy very much so on a personal level, and it is 1998's Patch Adams. It's just a squirrel. Roll that beautiful <laughs> bean footage. It is our mission here to rigorously and ruthlessly train the humanity out of you and make you into something better. We're going to make doctors out of you. Well, I just believe there's more to being a doctor than memorizing facts about the ventricular arteries. I don't care what you think. I care about my biology test. We're not even going to see a patient until the third year. If you want to become a doctor, we have to learn to treat the patient as well as the disease. That's why we have to dive into people. (laughs) You have a brilliant mind, and like many brilliant people, you don't necessarily think the rules apply to you. It was so much more convenient thinking of you as an idiot. That little ice that just chipped off? If you want to be a clown, go join the circus. For your own sake, I think you should just lay low for a while. The hospital will cover all of your bills. Any other questions? <laughs> Patients are opening up to me, Corinne. They're sharing their dreams, their fantasies. <laughs> they don't concentrate on the pain. I'm warning you, stay out of this hospital. What if a doctor becomes emotionally involved with a patient? What is wrong with that? Patients don't need a friend, they need a doctor. My name is Dr. Phil. (laughs) I'll be your surgeon. Oh, there you are. You are dismissed, sir. From this school. They can't prevent me from graduating because of a personality clash, can they? Universal Pictures presents... You are not cut out to be a physician. Our job is improving the quality of life, not just delaying death. The true story... Of a man who broke every rule. Why am I such a threat to you, sir? Because what you want is for us to get down there on the same level as our patients. And prove that laughter... Donner, party of 50. Donner, party over here. Truly is the best medicine. Robin Williams. You treat a disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you'll win, no matter what the outcome. Patch Adams. Na 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 na. The music is so good in this movie, and Robin Williams is good in this. But like he, now Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, you know what, Philip Seymour Hoffman, <laughs> as as they say, or as Robin Williams kind of points out, like he's a prick. But you kind of find it a little bit endearing, you know. I mean, he does have the he has the most character growth, I think, out of like anyone that's actually in the film. And he's still playing kind of like the dickish young man, like he did in Scent of a Woman. Uh, he hasn't quite mm. branched out and gotten to some more. You know, really delved would, into some some crunchable roles. <laughs> I would argue that Daniel London's character of Truman, I think he goes through the most like arc because he's very like kind of eh, in the beginning, like you're kind of weird, but you know what? I mean, I need I a friend it. too. I dig <laughs> it, man. I dig it. Really? And then he at the end, he's like, he's like, screw you, dude. Like I bought into this. Like I'm in, and you want out? Like. 
Well, oh. that's, I mean, that's like directly like at the end, a hundred percent. I mean, he, he does kind of like, he, he, he does fall back to the idea of like telling Patch, like, screw you. Like, how dare you decide that you're going to somehow be able to quit on everything just because something bad had happened. However, that's completely getting away from everything that happens in the beginning. And I mean, okay, folks, if you... Yeah, the beginning, the beginning, I think is actually, okay, retro, retrospectively, from what we know now, I think it's incredibly transparent and overwhelmingly sad thinking, you know, with Robin Williams passing not only Williams, but also Hoffman's in t- 2014. Robin Williams should have checked himself into a, a mental hospital and talked about masturbation and boom, he, he might still <laughs> well, be with us now or, you know, maybe a, but, l- I mean, a little you, lesser role. But I mean, you got you got to think about it. Like, I mean, like the way that he's just kind of like staring off on the bus window and also like him staring at himself in his own mirror in the bathroom. Like, was this relevant? Like, could could this have been like a very honest depiction of like what was really going through his own brain at the time? Did anybody else hear the Forrest Gump theme when the bus was was driving through? Like, I thought a feather was going to start like zipping around when he got off. It's very like reminiscent of the Forrest Gump thing. I I agree. I think that there's uh, something kind of catchy about it that that interlude of like piano music like soft piano music that kind of brings it in i'm a little baffled that the metascore is 25 i'm not i'm not baffled so, at so, all okay, okay. So okay it's, it's, no, it's a, meta, it's no. a meta score on imdb of 6.8 out of 10 <laughs> yeah, on rotten okay. tomatoes hey, on rotten tomatoes a home run every time but he struck out every rot- now and again this is rotten not tomatoes a critic score is 22 percent the audience score is 70 Three percent. My issue this with is this not movie, a strikeout. My issue with this movie is two things. First, it's like, oh, you know that heart heartwarming moment in the movie that you like? Let's just do a whole movie that's just one <laughs> long two-hour slow jerk heartwarming moment, and then it's like eating pancakes for every meal. I have some for breakfast, maybe once or twice a month. But what do we have them for breakfast? Pancakes. What are we With having a lot for of lunch? Syrup. Blueberry pancakes. What are we having for dinner? Chocolate chip pancakes. Like it's Is it because it's being like stuffed down your throat and it's like the same thing all over yeah, again? I mean, that was kind so of a concern. Schmaltz. That was a concern for critics where they said like it's it's too much hype. Like the movie is trying too hard. Not just like, oh, it's this scene and this scene. The movie as a whole is trying too hard. Plus, a lot of it is, uh, you know, besides some of the heartwarming moments, a lot of it seems like it's just Robin Williams going up there, getting some laughs, doing a little, doing a little, little something, a little mashugada, Donner Party Fifty, as you said earlier. I think that's where <laughs> the magic. That's that's where the magic in the film is. Is Robin Williams kind of delivering these like lines? He's being make, Robin Williams. Exactly. He's the Robin Williams doctor that we all wish that we could be a part of. But the I think it's the story. I think the story sucks. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like, this guy... You're not guy, the only one. You're not the only one who actually thought a, the story sucked. He's freaking weird. The, the part that I think I liked the most was when they snuck into the meat packers convention. They should have just... <laughs> oh, they yeah. should have just... <laughs> Kept on going with that shit. Like doing like a, a Robin Williams wedding crashers like type wedding of thing crashers. where you just go to random different conventions and get to like awards and shit. Uh, his little speech there was was perfection. But Bobby it, it also does drunk. detract from the overall narrative, and it was really just a plot device to get him a white jacket. Right. And for him to like oh, look oh, in the mirror oh, and go, Oh, look at me. Like, oh, what's oh. the difference between a first year and a third oh. year? And I mean that that is the thing. Like I mean, it's it's been kind of like said that 
in various reviews, like the the meatpacking scene again, it had no it had no you know variance technically towards anything that the plot as a whole was necessary. You have the actual Patch Adams who detested the film. He absolutely hated the film because he hated the depiction that was being made of him, and he said they made me look like a fool. And I mean, it's. I don't want to say like, well, boo-hoo to you. You sold the rights to your book and you didn't stay on as a creative consultant. But a lot of things were fabricated. Like the the, the character of you Corinne, the love name and we're going to fuck you. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, have the, you have the love interest. Span no expense. Okay, Corinne. Fake. 100% fake. We're Not even real. to greatness. <laughs> uh, a farmer, really? A man of your talents? <laughs> Well, and the, Monica Potter, I mean, does a good job with what she's given. Um, but she's it's not given that, much. The, her no, her opening, no. opening role is basically like, let's play bitch. the bitchy girl, and then you're playing the bitchy girl because there are only eight women in this class. I can't <laughs> have time for feelings. I can't have feelings. Don't. I have to work ten times as hard. Which, honestly, like, yeah, I think she would have to have worked 10 times as hard like well i can't think of the year like was it like 19 it was 1968 1969 when this was happening and something like that yeah i i mean yeah she's gonna have to work hard in the class of 163 there were eight women so i mean she's gonna have to work 10 times as hard to try and become a doctor try and be serious about it and i was i was trying to talk, i was actually like talking to nathan about it like one of the concerns that's brought up by you know hoffman's character mitch in the movie and then brought in accordance to the Dean who has literally like a hard on to like just screw over patch throughout well, the they film. Hired the warden from they, Shawshank. You, you knew he wasn't uh, yeah. going to be a good guy as soon as no, he came yeah, out. You know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to be a good guy, but the fact that like they're accusing him of cheating throughout the entire thing. And he's all like, how dare you? He's like, listen, I live with you. I know how much you study or, or I should say how much you don't to study. Swage that. They no, do and zero. I agree. It's like Palpatine clone rise of Skywalker. Where did that come from? Robin Williams patch genius. No explanation. Doesn't cra- the right. only books he cracks poetry. You told Walcott I cheated. I know you did it. Just tell me why. Look, cut the crap, Hunter. I live with you. I know how much you study, or I should say don't study. And you do better than me. (laughs) Give me a break. You arrogant, pompous prick. Who appointed you custodian of the medical profession? Is it because your father was a doctor and his father was a doctor? Some sort of genetic thing? You're damn right. Really? You know, I grew up with it. I know what it takes to look in the eyes of dying people day after day after day and to come home for dinner at night. I know what it takes. You don't have it. Oh, really? And you do? If you don't like me, just say it. I don't like you. You don't, you don't see him study. You don't see him study. You don't actually like see him doing any. It might be. Who the hell knows? No, he, I mean, he said like, well, I've already read the, through the biology book and now I'm reading poetry and I'm quoting it to you, Corinne. But yeah, there's nothing evidential to show that, oh, he's actually been, you know, working his ass off. And this is why he's nearly the top of the class. But they should have I, thrown I, a yeah. bone because they're, they they hung like the whole hearing at the end. Like besides the, the reputation he has for helping patients, it was all hung on him having like the highest marks. But they don't support that at right. all. And the, the movie had the structure of a 
baby pool full of noodles. Like, they don't get, like, is this all taking place during the first year? Do they transition years? Yes, they do transition years, but there's never, like, year two or, like, 1970. It's like, they're, like, they go from, you should stay out of the hospital to, okay, we're going to open up our own hospital, but they don't give you any basis for the timeline that's happening, and, and where are they getting the money to fucking do this in the first place? Where Where is he getting the money to go to, to school? Like, there's so many, like, question marks, so he go, and it's part of this comes from robin williams being a little bit older than yeah he was kind of given the creeper vibe with uh i I didn't want i was like dude first of all you're acting like dude you're acting like a virgin a little bit of a hairline thing going on here robin williams like how old are you in this movie is he supposed to be like in his like early 40s yeah remember isn't he like saying like oh yeah like i'm like the old man in class no no i get that but i'm trying to think like what is considered to be old like in accordance to even with people like you know Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I think is supposed to be depicting like a late twenties, maybe. Mm, I would even say like early twenties. That he's just like super ahead of the class. I mean, he, d- he does kind of have that like you know <laughs> baby face that he could use. <laughs> I, I come from a long line of learned doctors. <laughs> I'm Capote. Like, yeah, come on. All right. I do like their interaction with the first meeting is all like, oh, I won the like the George Hoffman, you know, like science award. And he's like, I uh, I once drew a giraffe that got me a gold star. <laughs> two gold stars. Again, two gold stars. I mean, but again, everything is a joke. Nothing is, is nothing is technically being taken seriously. Even as Jack has put it, if they had had like projects or presentations that maybe Patch Adams could have done, but he had done them like very goofy like maybe they had to do a dissection or a human model, and like he made the entire thing out of the meat that he got from the the or packers packing convention. Like a montage to show the transition or moving the time point ahead, like some like right. Aquarius. I'm <laughs> treating patients now, or more of of him just like excelling, like blowing everyone away in class. Like he just has the answers, and he's just kind of like almost like right. bored. Where he's like, "Can we go? Like, can we?" be done with this book like this is so easy and just give me 30 seconds of him like johnny fiving through a medical chest (laughs) (laughs) input input (laughs) i think the only only time that they even showed where like him doing something in class that even caught the dean's attention was when he was so tired after spending so much time at the clinic out at the ranch and he's like yawning during a quiz and the dean's like Huh? What's going on? And that was it. That's that's the extent of it. Most of his time, most of his time is going against the rules and the warnings and the attempted throwouts and going back into the hospital and regardless, seeing patients over and over but and over again. That gave me so much anxiety, especially when they <laughs> tried to kick him out. I want to be like, dude, like meet him halfway, like just stay out of the fucking hospital or go in there supervised. But oh, no, got to go see the guy. Oh, he is he's my, all of the breakfast they're gonna throw club the book at me. Oh, bruise my spine oh. <laughs> he, don't judge me he's like the a, rebel oh. he's eating sushi like he is the breakfast club all in one he's he's doing the hey, 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 hey. like can't get me out of school i'm the dean like now no no, no. <laughs> 
I think the idea of him being so charismatic and giving the laughs to the audience as well as, again, providing those feels for them is somehow like just caking a a like a three week old donut and glaze. And you're like hoping maybe you won't notice anything. Well, so my my grandparents on my dad's side, that's when we would watch like Last of the Mohicans and Highlander. But when we went and stayed with my mom's grandparents, they were a real touched by an angel kind of a group. I'm an angel sent by God. And, and this <laughs> is the kind of movie that they would rent and we would sit down and watch together. And my grandmother would say afterwards, well, that was just delightful. <laughs> oh, bless his I'm heart. so glad that he got his hospital. He got he got his degree after all. Too bad about that blonde lady. It was too trusting. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> Never but we're go not going to delve into that at all. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, my, my family would always sit down with uh, another like family friends of ours. And I, I grew up on things like Touched by an Angel, Early Edition, and Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Early, boom, boom, boom. Well done, I, I loved <laughs> Early Edition. I loved Early Edition. This explains so much. <laughs> And I I grew up on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman and that was that was some hardcore stuff. Her and, oh, I was touched by an angel oh, back Sully. in the rectory when I was a choir boy. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> 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 and in Touched by an Angel, there was one dude that was like the angel of death. And Andrew. Andrew, that's right. And he was always what? every what? time he's in an episode, you're like, oh shit, somebody gonna die. Can't wait to die. Uh, Untouched by an angel. I'm an angel sent by God. Oh, Jack. Jack. You're gonna die, but make sure you tell her you love her. Oh, Jesus. How about a wee skeleton? <laughs> oh, God, what a woman. <laughs> what an angel. Shite-hucks McGoldrick. Oh, <laughs> we found these doctors in the forest <laughs> literally ah they're in the forest i'm trying to think of like who who is not monitoring the traffic that apparently is flocking to this isolated clinic in the mountain regions because as as um, Truman had said at one point that he was so tired because he was going to start you know his rotations for something and he said we're getting the overflow from three clinics I mean who is who is not following all these people up here going like what is this why is this happening here yeah how is no one at the hospital getting tipped off that that oh yeah um there's people just going to this other hospital that doesn't stay a secret for long especially hey it's free <laughs> then you think he's going to get nailed for stealing the supplies, but that's when they pull out like, no, your buddy, she's that's, dead. They're so loud when they're trying to steal it, She too. received a terminal diagnosis from a shotgun. <laughs> Boom. Whoa. <laughs> but we can talk about that, right? <laughs> that's ridiculous. No, that we totally she's- can. That, that that she decided to go over to someone's house in the middle of the night. Probably not even the middle of the night, but it, it was definitely probably late. She was getting back with groceries and she was stocking up and then she just gets the phone call like, hey, this is Larry. Um, I was just trying to see if I can talk I'm to someone. I'm feeling real murdery my, right now. My, he- my thoughts or are not rapey. right. I thought for sure that it was like, oh, yeah, like, is this where well, he rapes her? And I'm like, oh, no. See, they I thought it was really going to be maybe not so. say what happens between her dying and him turning the gun on himself. So, Nathan, you could be right <laughs> there. You could be right there. I mean, but- some people like their tea lukewarm. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. 
we had seen Larry before and he had been in the hospital and he was being examined for self-destructive behavior because he was, you know, just he was cutting. His arms have like lacerations like all over them. And Corinne is just trying to do exactly what Patch is, you know, trying to live his life for. Like, listen, listen to people show them that, you know, you you care. And at that point, Corinne had opened up to Patch and saying, like, all my life, men had been attracted to me all my life, which is hinting towards the idea that she had been sexually molested by yep. her family members or probably her dad, brother, uncle. I think it's more hinting towards dad. But then at that point, when she's finally saying like that, she loves, you know, patch and that all men are not going to be bad. I think that's why she decides to go and, you know, try to help Larry, the one guy, a guy who is reaching out to her and, you know, pull a patch. Maybe, maybe she, she can do some good. Maybe she just had some real daddy issues. And the, uh, you know, the guy that was 20 years older than her was more appealing. <laughs> Lots of body hair. Or, you know, very masculine. But like, they like <laughs> you're a lot fuzzier than my last roommate. <laughs> they, they kiss and he acts like he's never been kissed before, which uh, he's so, okay. He's so giddy. Okay. And he asked, he asked her, he's all like, so what are we? Are we friends who just kiss sometimes? And I think it is the the childlike nature that is Patch's character, which is, I mean, it's it's cute, it, but I don't think it is it also realistic. Kind of neckbeardish, like he's very like malady. Like <laughs> when, when the guy won't, when the, his roommate from uh, Green Mile and Fisher King, you know, is whining because he can't get off the bed to go pee because of the squirrels, and he's masturbated and like, dude, you're throwing off my my rhythm here. So I don't know how childlike innocent we want to call it. I don't think he. I don't even know if he was really masturbating. I think he was just trying to crack a joke. But but I mean, I do. Man, I love that guy, and I can't think of his name, but I do love him as, like, he is the solid, like, um, supporting character actor. I think he's in Mouseville now, too, with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and, Hoffman and, and uh, Robin Williams. Think For it, what? He's in Mouseville. Michael Mal- Jenner? Hmm? No, no. Is it Michael Jenner? Yes, Jetter. Yeah. He was he was Mr. Noodle yeah. on Sesame Street. I think he, is, I he, think he passed died. in the past couple of years. Yeah. He, he did. Pa- he passed uh, a while back um, due to, com- I think it was complications from AIDS. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Sad <laughs> lots of lots of sadness in death and death. And and back to Patch Adams that uh. <laughs> oh, so, okay. did you know that? Okay, so Bill Murray and Tom Hanks were both up for the leading role of Patch Adams. Bill Dodge Murray, bullets. Bill Murray said no to it, and Tom Hanks had to turn it down because he was filming Saving Private Ryan. Good choice by Tom Hanks. <laughs> I, I think it was a great choice by Tom Hanks. <laughs> can you imagine I, Robin Williams and him switching roles? <laughs> like Saving I Private Ryan is like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody else could possibly do this. I mean, if John Candy might have was John Candy, no, jo- if John Candy hey, was soldier, alive, you lost your arm maybe. over here. <laughs> Give me a hand. <laughs> it's your <laughs> hand. Whoa! <laughs> oh, earn this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, now I just want to see Saving Private Ryan with Rob Williams. I, no, I don't. <laughs> Up them, more like down them. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, are you are you Private Ryan? Yes. Okay, we've been looking for you. Let's go. Oh. <laughs> uh, Ted Danson. Oh, I thought it was Ted Jig. Oh. <laughs> so Patch has these like these moments where you're like, oh, he he gets it. He's you know he's figured it out. He knows what to do. Like when he like starts talking to Corinne about like, oh, okay, I want I want this. And we're gonna have this, and it's gonna be great. Oh, for the like, Gazoon Height Institute. And I'm like, mm, you're very. And not to offend Democrats, but this is a very Democrat thing to do where it's like, and it's all going to be free 
and it's all good. I'm like, you you are in the medical like system. So you know how things work. You know how like how you get paid. You know how medical supplies get to you. Granted, it might be a corrupt system, but he just he goes so hard to this like, yeah, like why not just do it all as a community? I'm like, this is not medicine. This is a lifestyle. Hospitals are for the rich and winners. <laughs> uh, losers don't need medical treatment. Losers can Pre-existing die conditions. and safely anonymous. Just very uh, anonymous. Schools, schools don't make doctors. I make doctors. This is my hospital, and it's the greatest hospital. <laughs> but but he pushes so, like, and when you look into the real Patch Adams, which, right. whoa, that, I mean, if you guys want to jump into that, I guess, next, that's... He's a, he's a kooky fellow, but I think he's also incredibly endearing. Like, he, in reality, he does have that land. He does have it set up to actually build... You know the actual Gazuntite, you know, hospital that they and just barely and I'm broke. I'm gonna in. reach over under your hospital, and I'm gonna drink up your patients. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing: he does have a clinic there. He does work, you know, out of that clinic. He does have this, like, you know, school of like new thought, like new age, like you know, medicine, where like we can build a better community and world where everyone is going to be treated, and you can have different methods of doing so, and where it can be everyone together. It doesn't have to be this. In a sense, like blood sucking business. What is it called? Homolist, homeo, like homeopathic. Is it homeopathic? Yeah. So well, that's not exactly we need to like put what you he's on doing. A regimen of essential oil, or no, holistic, holistic medicine. I don't even or know what teaching? you would like. I mean, it, it's literally kind of like the idea that like laughter is the best medicine, but like I don't know if that would be treated as like homeopath, homeopathic, or even holistic medicine because you're not necessarily prescribing anything that they're taking aside from you're treating i guess their soul better you're making them feel better so you're gonna without need trying the lavender to- essential oil you're gonna put it on this block of, of pink himalayan salt and you're gonna These shove crystals it up your ass. will i think that and would have given him you. that would have given him so Don't much more no credibility vaccine. just shove this no salt vaccine. up your ass if he would have diagnosed somebody and said like you know like made him laugh and said like but really you need to take this medicine because this is going to attach to the antibodies and this is going to fix you. Well, you know, like, and gave the medicine or the medical side of it with the humor. It really would have marinated better than just this kind of like, oh, Maybe. like, I'm a bee. I'm entertaining a bunch of kids that well, are I mean, again, dying. I, I, again, there's there's not necessarily a point in this film where he is legitimately practicing any style of medicine. Even when you see him at the at the ranch, at the clinic, he's... Painting, okay, that's fine. That's not working medicine. He's walking in with a bubble gun, okay, that's not medicine. He greets Larry, but then he passes him off to Truman in order to give him the tour. Again, not necessarily anything that is true medicine, aside from giving the man one last safari with the uh, balloon animals, giving the old lady a pool full of noodles, and then singing bluebirds, you know, uh, blue skies to the pancreatic cancer man, and... I guess making him face the fact that he's going to die. Like you can have humor in the fact that like, hey, how many how many different ways can we say that, you know, we're going to, you know, cash in our chips. Yeah, Yeah, kick the bucket. Yeah, but when he goes in to see the guy with pancreatic cancer and he's dressed as the angel. I was like, oh, come on. Touched by an they angel. They just told Touched you they're going to kick Jack. your ass out. You come gallivanted in here dressed as a fucking angel. I wanted I it to be a, one more 
like failed attempt. I wanted it to be like where I mean, he just like every month or so like that went in, tried something new and like just failed horribly because that that at least gives you more of the, you know, hey, this guy is really not buying your shit. He's he's dying and he doesn't want it. And for Patch to like kind of be testing other things. Right. I don't know. I find I find it shocking that he's clearly going to die. Like in this in this last scene, he is clearly going to die. What family members are going to walk out of the room and give their time? Okay, medical intern. To, you you have yeah. his last breaths, right? Like he's in there when he dies. Like not the not the children, not the wife. Although I do, I mean, again, I think as as hyped up and as over the top and you know trying to make you not see what's necessarily wrong with the movie. And don't get me wrong, I still love this movie. I love the transparency and honesty of the guy as he's dying. He's all like. Did you see my kids? Like, I have beautiful boys. I have beautiful boys. Like, he he's so proud and happy for that. And, I, I mean, then, you know, of course, Robin Williams has to make a wise crack of, like, your wife's kind of hot either. Or your wife's also hot. Hey, maybe after you die, I can uh, I can hit that. <laughs> the childlike innocence. Yeah. The, uh, again, the childlike innocence. Ha ha, wink, 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 wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> Go to bed, your wife, when you're gone. Are you cool with it? Are you cool with it? You want me to be their dad? Like, whoa, whoa, stepping way out of bounds, bro. We're going to have a baby. It was a wolf man. Would either of you have thought that if you were a visiting gynecologist and they had made those giant paper mache like things, would you? So much effort and a team of people. It's funny. It is funny. I think it's funny. If I was a visit, if I was a gynecologist and I was visiting for like a, a workshop seminar thing and I saw that. I would probably like pee my pants. I think it'd be absolutely hilarious to find some type of humor in your position. But you're right. So it's out of anything in this movie. I think that is the one thing that isn't completely over the top and not explained. It would have taken at minimum a week, at least a week and round the clock working on it to build like 50 foot legs. Welcome, cold handed ones. It's an honor to greet slash welcome so many who have touched so many women in such a powerful way. Come on in. Watch out. It's a little slippery. And if you think it's hot out there, whoa, whoa. come on, come on, come on. <laughs> in stirrups. And pa- they're like paper mache. They're like, they're like float. They're meant for like a parade. I mean, they should have been playing some of the music from the Top Gun soundtrack during that scene. Because Robin Williams is just a real maverick. <laughs> <laughs> your ass is right and checks your butt can't cash who likes to masturbate <laughs> who likes to masturbate <laughs> <Hands> up. <laughs> I, I do like the the minor characters how we have you know alan tudyk you have so many different people that are actually like just in the backgrounds of everything it's, it's fun uh. to like pick uh, p- uh pick out like who's there and even dean uh dean walcott walcott yeah walcott bob grump God, what's his name? Bob Gunton. Gunton. So he was in Glory, which was our second episode. He was yeah. uh, one of the generals. And then, I mean, the, the director, I think this was a huge change for the director. Because the director has done things more comedic. Because he did, like, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. He's done, you know, The Nutty Professor, Liar Liar, which is my preference for, for a uh, Jim Carrey film. And then you have Patch Adams, which is still goofy and kooky, 
But you have so much drama in it that, again, I think they try to, like, kind of cast a, a shadow over everything that's nece- that is technically wrong plot wise oh no the chocolate shell is melting on your sunday here's some sprinkles <laughs> yeah but i mean for a movie that you know again as we've kind of said in multiple things where like the plot can be like a uh, a piece of swiss cheese and uh you know sifting through a cheesecloth it did incredibly well for a budget of ninety million dollars, and it made over two hundred and two million dollars. Cost ninety million dollars? What the hell is all those legs? The paper mache legs. I'm gonna guess that maybe part of the budget of the film went towards buying the rights to this guy's book. Maybe yeah, I don't know what I they. I don't know what they spent ninety million, million on the paper mache legs. <laughs> easy, easy. You know, part of it actually might have gone towards like William Williams' salary, Hoffman's salary. You actually have like notable. Again, side characters that are playing, you know, various small roles. But yeah, I mean, they they also had to be filming on uh, different university campuses. So that could have gone towards actually renting out places to film without paid, it having like disrupt classes. They paid Monica Potter to show her boobs, but she just ended up not doing it. And they're just like, ah, well, we already gave her the money. That ended up on the cutting room floor. That was after the murder. <laughs> they're all, no, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll save this for another movie. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> All right. Uh, along came a spider. Can we use that? <laughs> we're good. We're good. You know what? We're going to put it in the uh, special features of parenthood. We'll use that for her. <laughs> oh, my God. For me personally, this was a movie that was kind of important to me because like, uh, in 1998, I was a 12-year-old kid and I had my best friend die from brain cancer. And to see the compassion come from Williams's character and show it to people who were sick, who were dying, who were feeble, and to treat them like people and to not treat them like their disease, which I saw my friend go through, that to me was important. And that is why like, I chose this movie, and that's why I still love it despite its faults. And I think that that is a message that can still be taken away from this movie when you have such honesty through it. And even the actual Patch Adams, though he despised the film, he had so many people writing him and sending him letters and saying, this movie has helped me to become a better person and to treat people like people, not to see like what's wrong with them, but to look into their soul. And it allows me to be kinder, to be more compassionate. It. And he said that I it was an interview that he gave and he said, I can't fault a movie that does that. He still doesn't like it, but he can't fault the movie for giving a good message. And it's hard to fault the film for making, what, 135 million gross uh, US and made its money back plus some. That's a lot of yeah. gauze. That's a, that's a lot, a lot of gauze. A lot of noodles right there. <laughs> that's a lot of Gesundheit Institute. They, they can't they can't afford to buy medical medical supplies for their clinic, but pool full of noodles. We got you covered. So, the pool full of noodles, giant giant paper mache legs, which Dean Alcott, I don't understand. If he knows everything that is happening on his campus, how does he miss those giant paper mache legs? Or the the noodles that are just no, now... the noodles I think you can hide a lot now easy. wasted? Oh, God. But I mean, but that was a shit ton of noodles. That was a ton. That would have been, that been so many... In, get, yeah. So many noodles. I would have gotten in that tub or that pool. Right? I would squish some noodles would you, around. Would you wanted it like like a bathwater warm or would you wanted it cold noodles? I'd like cold noodles on a hot day. Cold noodles, yeah, on a hot day. There you go. Okay, <laughs> cold noodles. I'll, I'll get behind it. I mean, it's... and after you get out, you uh, walk to the dean's office after you're told that you're going to be expelled, and uh, you proceed to call your dean of students a dickhead. <laughs> I think the real loser in all of this, though, is the actual Patch Adams 
Because when you watch some of his stuff, like, because he goes now and he just does a bunch of talking events, he has had to sell his soul to do what he believes in. That's like, very true. Like, mm-hmm. he, re- like, w- just with his book, I feel like, I don't, I haven't read his book, but with the book and the rights to the movie, and for him to not like the movie and be like, man, that's not me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, I'm glad that the rest of the world, like, sees me as this fool. I still get to, like, do what I'm on this earth to do. And it's like, Damn, that is that's a pride hit mm. or a sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, but like he, ha- so they they obviously had the land and that one cottage, but like for them to actually even start breaking ground, I know that they like they just recently it was just like a couple years ago, I think that or maybe like ten years ago they just started breaking ground on the the building itself, and it's just like sad. It's just sad. Like the man obviously really is passionate about this. Other people, a thousand applicants, like doctors, was, no, not even a thousand. I think it said I think, did it say a thousand or like a hundred thousand? Like I there, was, there was a, there was a list at the end of the film that said like there's more than you know X number of people that have applied and want to like you know donate their time or even full on join they get paid three hundred dollars i think it's a month and like they live because they they live there and they just are part of it it's a community hospital yeah it's a community living everyone works together yeah and you get you get uh room and noodles or noodles and board noodles and board and and once in a while you get decked down and paint as they're painting the building and "Ah, i'm gonna get you too (laughs) watch out (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I, I think Ugh. the hearing, though, also reminded me a lot of the end of Scent of a Woman as well. It's like, we're going to kick you out. No, I've got to make my grand and passioned plea. Uh, and then they, you know, they chop the kitties in at the end and the, you know, the other patients, you know, they're, they're not, they're not tugging on the heartstrings. They are bungee jumping. With your heart, right? Mm-hmm. And that and that was one of the problems that, like, you know, Roger Ebert had, where they're like, "So why didn't? I mean, if the kids were there at the ready, why didn't they come in earlier? Why didn't they do this display? You know, even sooner? I mean, it's it's very much kind of like a callback in a sense, technically, to the whole like, you know, oh, Captain, my Captain, and Dead Poets Society. Like, all the kids are gonna rush in, they put on their noses and saying like, "We're here to support you, damn it!" I and mean, wh- wh- why I was know. there not one? like really major win like a kid that was like dying started getting better and like is that like the first one to put on the nose or something where it like where you can if you're gonna really bungee jump on the heartstrings have one character where it's like Oh, like someone shit. makes it like someone makes a recovery. I yeah, mean technically it was all worth it for little the, Timmy. Yeah, like everyone that you're seeing was either dying or like incredibly sick you have the old woman who was there and she wouldn't eat so she got the noodles and she became lively again and i guess that implies that she started eating again the old guy who got his one last safari with the balloon animals okay nothing nothing really says that anything came of him he just thanked patch and said it's almost as good as the real thing what if we had but- a ghost of corinne just like <laughs> nod force <laughs> ghost robes. force ghost <laughs> yup yup you know, you know, Rod Dickory Clearly, graduating school. Yup, yup. Hum the loop the Clearly, she like you needed that butterfly just like land right on his ass as he's walking away. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, this is the best movie ever now. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing drums on like Dean's like, hair, hair pieces. 
Yes. And then Michael J. Fox comes in with Sorry, the Frighteners, and he has, like to, has to take Corinne away. Uh, <laughs> oh, good gosh. Or, yeah, yeah. But they, so, they should have showed, like, like, a couple realistic fantasies. Like, the old guy who's in there dying of, like, cirrhosis. And he's like, I just want to take a shot and do cocoa, do blow off a stripper's ass one last time. Like... <laughs> That's that's more realistic for a lot of people. It's yeah, safari. I don't know. You know, sorry, Mister Moneybags, going on to safaris. Did you bring me my eight ball patch? No, no. I mean, I have this. I have this clown nose. Is it full of cocaine? Actually, it is. <laughs> How about that? Ah. <laughs> oh, good segments. 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 All right. So the first segment is. There are four fingers, aren't there? No, no, no. Look at me. What? You're focusing on the problem. If you focus on the problem, you can't see the solution. Never focus on the problem. Look at me. Have you ever encountered or know about someone where the outer problem could have easily been addressed if people would only have looked beyond what was in front of them? So kind of like the idea of, you know, oh, this person's really grumpy, but you don't know the fact that they've, you know, had been dealing with abusive parents, you know, growing up, or this person is avoiding a lot of time with their friends, but they have to hide the fact that they have to work three jobs to support, you know, the parents who got laid off or something, something that could have be easily been overlooked if people would have just, again, looked beyond, you know, don't treat the disease treat the person yeah so i i take this more as uh like what do people see of me you could do, like, you could totally do that way too either way so people often refer to me that i'm on drugs because i'm very happy-go-lucky and i'm very like high energy and i've i've never done coke i've tried weed just a couple of times uh, i've just i don't do drugs and so it's always one of those reveals of like nope i'm just weird and loud Ta-da! Happy, happy, <laughs> joy, joy. <laughs> Donner party. That, that's me. I I like to to make people laugh, and and I'm not. I, sadly, I, I don't get down on the uh, the old heroin. It's just not who I am. I, I don't do meth, Kenneth. <laughs> uh, name drop. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, what? No, he's I, my I, arch nemesis. I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I like he that, actually listens to this. <laughs> I no. guess for me, for from a social point of view, I don't have any issues turning down invitations to do some something, some sort of social invitation. More often than not, I'm okay not doing it. From a relationship point of view, sometimes. I've been told that, you know, like, I, I feel like I'm making, I'm distant or I'm making them feel unwelcome. But in reality, it's just that I need that essential alone time. Like, I need to recharge the social batteries. I'm very at home with my own company. Uh, so when I don't get that, uh, you know, it's not that I'm not mad at you. I love you just the same as I did yesterday. But if you don't let me read a book or stay up late and play video games, or watch a movie by myself, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I think that's a lot of us. But, but I, I can, I notice that with you more, that, you know, it's just that you need some more of that time, and yeah. is Anna listening right now in the other room like, oh, oh. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Airing our dirty laundry with your real feels. I don't know, if she can get over the uh, the flag drawing of, of her farting in the bed. <laughs> 
the gas from Battle well, Royale. Well, I think just, she that's just a good laugh, right? There. That's just a good laugh. <laughs> that's just a good time. So I mean, when I when I thought of the segment, I wasn't necessarily thinking of myself. I was more thinking of you know the experiences that I more so encounter, especially with dealing with uh, you know students day after day after day after day. But especially like recently with you know having to do distance learning with kids, I had one student that legitimately did not turn anything in. Like he was turning zero stuff in, didn't try to make contact, wasn't trying to do anything, wouldn't return my emails. And I'm like, all right, well, you're just going to fail. And finally, I uh, I got a hold of the parent and through through this parent, I got a hold of the kid. And he finally like laid down the story to me where, you know, the father lost the job due to COVID. He was trying to work like one and a half jobs, getting up at 4 a.m. to go work in the fields and then, then go work somewhere else and then come back. And at that point, I was like, man, okay, like, I didn't know. Like, I just I made these horrible like assumptions, like you're just being lazy, you're not doing your work. And yeah, like, I'm glad that I know what is actually like causing, you know, the disruption of trying to get any work in. And yeah, I mean, it it, it was a horrible situation. But like, long story short, like, the kid got enough work done where he passed and he graduated. So it was a it was a good outcome. Like overall, quite Quite, you know. Yes, boss. <laughs> All right, next segment. I wish you'd take this seriously. Have you ever known someone to never take something seriously or make light of serious situations? And if so, how did you normally respond to this person? Much like how Corinne had to originally respond to Patch's behavior. I'll start it off. Um, so my father always makes jokes when something is more of a serious situation, and especially if like he's caught in like not 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 necessarily like an argument or a debate, but like maybe if he's caught, you know, in the wrong of something or he knows for a fact that it's going to annoy you and you're trying to take a conversation rather seriously. He will make joke light after light. He'll, he'll try to make something funny. And it's well, that's my mama. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so it's so annoying. It's so annoying. And he knows it, too, which makes it worse. <laughs> Peter Griffin, like, well, that's my mama. Like, just, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Mr. Helm's got a mustache. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. So does he does he do that with, I mean, like, really bad stuff? Or is it just like... No, I mean, like- obviously not like things that are... Like, he's not going to crack a joke if like someone died. Or, you know, if someone... If he if he gets like a, an update of, you know, uh, like a family member had been like, you know, hit by a car. They suddenly got cancer or something. But if it's like a more serious like topic... Or if, like, it's not a joking matter, like, he'll turn it into a joke because he knows and he thinks he's funny uh, for certain situations. He'll, like, take you outside and be all like, look at that car. Who owns that car? I I do, Dad. Man, that's a good car. Where are you going tonight? I know, I know. You going to Paris? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? What's my son up to? My son bought me a Cadillac. <laughs> no, Dad, that's my car. That's That's my car. <laughs> So I do work in the the medical field, and one of the uh, one of my my bosses, he's got the best gallows humor because we're dealing with some pretty serious shit sometimes, and you have to do something to lighten the mood, even if it's just amongst yourself and with you know a couple close coworkers. But the stuff that comes out of his mouth sometimes is is frankly shocking. So I prep a patient for a medical procedure and he comes in and he carries out the medical procedure and as the patient is leaving and I'm getting them cleaned and dressed up uh, the wound dressed up the patient's like oh you know that was great I didn't feel 
anything. And he turns around and he looks at the patient. He goes, Jack did all the foreplay. All I did was stick it in. And then walks out the door <laughs> while I'm standing there, mouth agape behind the patient. Um, and then just, I'm so just sorry. The, the, the straight shooter, we had a, a patient, a bit of a Karen, I guess you would call it in this, this day and age. Uh, you know, I want to speak to your manager sort of person who was just laying into the doctor about her issues and why was he helping her. And he told her what she was doing wrong. And then furthermore... That if every patient he had that day was like her, he would eat a bullet for lunch. And that's... Wow! You know, <laughs> I love him! You know, wow! That's, that's frankly great. Or what if, uh, what if one of the patients had a, a, a hemorrhage and he asks, well, is it ever going to stop? And he just offhandedly says, well, there's the old, uh, old surgeon's adage, all, all bleeding stops eventually. But... And, yeah. and I love and respect him for those moments of just really not giving a shit. But his patient care is top notch. So that's this my my little my little story. Okay, this is where I'll toot my my own horn just just slightly because I think that this is kind of me. I I make jokes about situations sometimes that I I probably shouldn't, and I probably should kind of keep it more on pace. A lot of it was. Uh, I learned was a lot of self deflect, like deflecting, especially like when Dax was in the hospital. Like a defense is a defense mechanism. Yeah, I learned yeah. like this is like one of the only ways that I yep. like could cope yep. was just kind of I do that like, all the time. Shut down about stuff and just kind of make a joke about it because like I don't want to deal with this. Like hell no, hey, you don't do drugs, so you, you got to. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do something. If you're not uh, uh, banging H mainline. <laughs> smacked off your tits you need to do something but then also my job being a property manager i deal with every race and every person that i hate everyone every race every person i'm just like i don't oh i don't don't want to hear your story i don't like any of them (laughs) white black like they all everyone has stories about and they they think that i i'm just I can't wait to hear about why they got an eviction. I'm like, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> and so I, in turn, will do little comments, much like your uh, your doctor friend, Jack. Uh, one of our favorite things is if we see someone that looks like they're just a mess that day that's walking by our office, my buddy and I will start singing. I walk a lonely road, <laughs> and we just—it's just habit. It's what we do, and we just crack ourselves up because we're just trying to make light of the the horrible situation that person's probably in. Of ah, uh, yeah, Nathan's going to manage property. Walk hard, um, walk hard. I'm going to hell, but but you know what? It's property management is, is a bitch. Let me tell you. So don't walk a mile in my shoes and. And then give them right back, because I know you're not going to keep them. All right, (laughs) next segment. Next segment. Next segment. It is our mission here to rigorously and ruthlessly train the humanity out of you and make you into something better. We're going to make doctors out of you. So have you ever had the situation where you were able to make a doctor, a nurse, some type of medical personnel who is usually like stone face or has no like good bedside manner, 
Have you ever been able to make them laugh or crack a smile? Or maybe in an attempt to do so, you failed horribly. I'll go first. So in 2015, I had injured my lower back and it required surgical repair, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, you know, pretty stressful to be in your mid 30s and have somebody basically work on your spine. The doctor that I went to, he had a physician's assistant that pretty much was his right hand. And uh, I was single at the time. She was a very pretty physician's assistant, but it was, you know, it's a it's a patient doctor sort of relationship. But when I went to have the surgery done, they gave me the first sedative in pre-op before they wheeled me into the uh, OR. And that sedative made me feel like I went from zero to six beers in about 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> my mother was there in pre-op with me. And the PA is explaining stuff to me and explaining stuff to her. I don't remember saying this, <laughs> uh, but I was I was afraid that they were going to have to put a catheter in. And she she's said, "No, you know, it's it's a, a you know, you're only going to be under for about an hour or two. You don't need a catheter. Uh, you'll be fine." And I guess I slyly winked at the physician's assistant and said, <laughs> "Good, because if you break it, you bought it." <laughs> now. Yeah, I don't remember any of this, and I'm still mortified to this day. Yeah. And I got to learn all this from my mother. Oh, Jesus. Ugh, after the fact, too. That's that's always uh, a joy. So, when I was going to have uh, surgery, I had to go in early, like a week or two before the surgery, and, you know, get those, like, pre-op kind of, like, you know, little procedure done, like, and... uh it was it was a bariatric surgery, so they were, like, taking an ultrasound of my liver, they were getting different tests done, and yada yada. And so, I mean, like, these were, I mean, I, I, was, I was on point. These were funny, these were funny situations. And these are the stories of where the nurses and the doctor didn't, didn't smile, didn't laugh, and I think it's, I think it's a damn shame. So, like, one of the first nurses, I had to go in and I had to put on a gown. So, she said, okay, well, I'm going to need you to take off your clothes and put on the gown. I asked her if she was going to buy me a drink first, and she just stared at me, and then she left the room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when when she came back in and I put on the gown and I was getting, like, the ultrasound of my liver. And, I mean, like, I just, I just you know, just turned off the shirt, put on the gown, because they were just, you know, doing liver, stomach area. Not liver, kidneys. And so... Same, same, same difference. Don't they work the same? <laughs> they're all organs. They all do there's, things. There's two of each, right? <laughs> they're all important. Drew. Detoxifies um, the body. Yes. <laughs> so two things happened. I when she when she and it was dark in the room. She had to turn off the lights and she was doing the ultrasound. And I I started singing and humming very softly. Strangers in the night, which didn't get a laugh. Uh, again, a damn shame. <laughs> but then when she was looking at the screen for the ultrasound of my kidney, I asked her if it was a boy or a girl and she just stopped and she looked at me. She's like, what? And I'm like, don't, don't worry. Don't tell me. I want to be surprised. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. I'll, I'll be here all week. The morning of surgery, the doctor said like, did you get enough sleep? And I'm like, yeah, I got no sleep. And he's like, okay, now did you remember that you're coming in here? With, you know, just we're going to have to put you in a gown. We can't have you like wearing any undergarments. And I went, so I have to remove my thong. And (laughs) again, nothing. He just looked at me and he said, yes. (laughs) Floss isn't just for the teeth. Drew's a little Patch Adams over here. Trying I to thought, man, I thought I was on fire. Get this man for an enema bulb. <laughs> I thought I was on fire for certain situations, but 
Man, I mean, they were just like deadpan, not laughing. I thought, you know, is it a boy or a girl to the uh, kidney ultrasound was hilarious, but whatever. I Most of the time that like I'm talking to doctors, um, basically it's just, you know, with, with Dax. But there's, I think only really one time that I, and like, I, I mean, I'm constantly like keeping it as light as possible because I... I know that they're already like, uh, like, what do I do? What do I say? And I'm like, no, you're, you're good. Like, I, I've heard it all. You're good. Don't worry. But one time he was getting an x-ray and I said, say superpowers. And she like, you know, did the x-ray and she's like, what did you say? I'm like, oh, uh, you know, superpowers. Like, that's, that's how you get them, right? And she just started laughing. Those, like, those are gamma rays coming out of there, right? <laughs> yes. She's like, all right. I, I like that. I'm going to use that. And I was like, there you go. Just, but. Really, I, I don't have too many. Uh, no, that's times cute. I, I like that. That, I, that was, was funny. I caught you know medical professionals off guard. They're pretty. <laughs> uh, they're pretty on it most of the time. Most of the time, <laughs> unless you're, unless you're, you know, you, the the guy who was uh, head of the psych facility where Patch was, and he's like, then maybe I could use my penis as a poco stip and fly to Uranus. What? Oh yeah, right, that, that's good. That's good, Patch. <laughs> but that's what I do. Yeah, and you're terrible at it. <laughs> My report will read ID near like, what is it? AMA. Uh, AMA. Yeah. My report will read IDGARA. I don't give a rat's ass. So how uh, how would we go about rating this film? I'm going to give it a reverse rating. Oh. Usually <laughs> it's, you know, you're four out of five, five out of five. But with diabetes... There is a, a test that they do called a HbA1c, a hemoglobin A1c. So if a patient tries to cheat and they have they be good the day before and they have their fasting blood drawn, and maybe their fasting blood sugar is relatively in the normal range, if the doctor draws an HbA1c, it's going to give him an indication of what you've been doing for the past three or four months. So a normal non-diabetic person, usual A1c is, is under a six. A really uncontrolled diabetic is like, I've seen him at 10 and at 12. Uh, so I'm going to give this a 10.4 out of six. Whoa. I think that this movie needs to, to try uh, lean meats, uh, fish, uh, you know, whole grains, no, no, no refined starches. Maybe take a walk every now and again, uh, or else we're gonna have to put it on metformin and maybe start insulin, uh, because it's just too sweet, too too sweet for my blood. I would, um, I would give it a four, four fingers <laughs> out of ten. You, it's hard because you have to look past the fingers sometimes to actually see that this this has some some quality. But still, it's just holding up four That's fingers. Fair. That's fair. True. So I I give this movie because of not only like my like emotional preference for it, but I can be honest about its faults. Um, I, I give it a three out of five. But that's just for me. That's just a three out of five where I truly like this movie and I adore and love Robin Williams. But as we've kind of like gone through this entire thing the movie has a lot of frodo faults. frodo the door. the door the door he's right here he's sitting on the couch and robin williams carries this film he carries it in he does I, who doesn't love you know robin williams doing his shtick but. well i mean and it's i mean in multiple times he's played like i think maybe four or five other movies he's played a doctor and i mean it's it's to the point of where like it's a it's a heartfelt honest message of like overcoming adversity and doing what is right kind of like you know in goodwill hunting but yeah there you have it well drew how do they get a hold of us well guys 
You can always find us up on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for The Real Feels Podcast. Up on Twitter, we are at RealFeelsPod. You can send us an email at RealFeelsPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can always call the Tooch Line. Leave us the Tooch Line. Leave us a voicemail. Say hello. Whatever. We just love to hear from you. And... Of course, them five-star reviews up on iTunes. We got a five-star review. We did get a five-star review. They said, like, at Monty Python, they said, you had me at Monty Python, meaning of life. So that's a kudos to Jack. That's Jack. Nothing you can do but pick up the phone and give me a call. Tooch line. (laughs) Tooch line. (laughs) Tooch line. Give us the five-star reviews. All right, I'll stop saying. What's Uh, the number for the Tooch line? So the Tooch line, guys, you can always call us at 661-376-0030. And with that, Jack, how about a Patreon special? Patreon special uh, for this month is uh, a freebie. Pancakes. A freebie. Right. Uh, it is the uh, the AMA against medical advice Patreon, uh, and that's just to reiterate that, uh, folks. Um, you know, we we still are in the midst of a pandemic. So uh, when you go to the grocery store, or you pop into the gas station for that gallon of milk. Maybe keep the mask on, and uh, if you choose not to wear the mask, don't be a dick about it. And also. You know, love your neighbor. Black, white, red, Muslim, Jewish, Christian. We're all Americans. We're all human beings. Let's uh, let's just try to get through all everything together. Okay, that's a freebie. I think it's a freebie. Because if you everybody... treat a pandemic, I guarantee you win. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I think everybody can get behind that Patreon. I think that's something that's really, really special. Yeah. So, uh, coming up in two weeks' time. Jack, we're coming back around to you with my black and white movie. Black and white movie. And then two weeks from there, Nathan is giving us a little uh, biblical. biblical. And then, gosh, two weeks after that, I'm going to bring you guys survival genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Survive. I will find you. (laughs) I will will find you. So, guys, thank you for joining us on the Real Foes podcast. Make sure to tell all your friends to check us out every two weeks where we bring you a different movie of a different genre every single time. And as always, you're the realist. And the feelist. Donner, party of three. And in the words of that immortal bard, Samuel J. Snodgrass, as he was about to be led to the guillotine. Make them laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? <laughs> my dad said, be an actor, my son. But be a comical one. They'll be standing in lines for those old honky-tonk monkey shines. Or you could study Shakespeare and be quite elite. And you could charm the critics and have nothing to eat. Just slip on a banana peel, the world's at your feet. Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh.